0: Hello, Charleston basketball fans! Welcome to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Today on the show, we are recapping the Cougars' first road trip of the year. If you have ESPN Plus, you watched CFC of C play Oklahoma State last Monday, a game that, uh, let's be honest, was kind of a letdown. Uh, and if you listened last week, you heard we were pretty bullish on the Cougars' chances in that one, but it was just an old school beatdown in Stillwater. However, Charleston responded in a very big way. They go on the road Saturday and beat a previously undefeated University of Tennessee at Chattanooga team, a squad that was picked to win the Southern Conference. CFC came back from down 14 in that one, and they win it at the buzzer, best win of the season by far for the Cougs. So here to discuss both contests is the voice of the Charleston Cougars, Mr. Everett German, joining the pod for the first time this season someone who rides shotgun with the Cougars on their road trips. He'll share some behind-the-scenes stories uh, from the past couple games. As always, subscribe to the pod, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and nowhere else. Let's get into the show. Everett German is the voice of the Cougars, and he joins us on the Holy City Hoops podcast this week. What's up, E? You have a good Thanksgiving?
1: I did indeed. How about yourself, man?
0: It was good. It was good. I... Celebrate with my in-law's family, which is half Italian, half Southern, like North Carolina, Georgia, gotcha. which results in just a, a ton of food. Everyone brings extra <laughs> food. It's the two two competing cultures. So we got extra shrimp, extra pies, extra gabagool. We're going to eat well for the next like 10 days.
1: That's safe to say, you know, stayed here with family. This is, I believe, the first year, maybe, uh, I want to say four or five years that I've actually been able to celebrate Thanksgiving Day, you know, with my family because we're normally in a tournament or traveling or doing whatever. So it was it was good to be able to crush some uh, turkey and mac and cheese and pies and, you know, all the good things that we all eat at Thanksgiving. So just thankful, obviously, for that time with, uh, you know, family and then, of course, uh, a chance to spend some time with friends over the weekend. That mean my my Cougar Nation friends and uh, just all around a, a good couple of days.
0: Good, good. Yeah, we uh, we front loaded the the multi team event this year, so you get the the Thanksgiving to yourself. That's great.
1: Exactly. But I think next year, if I'm not mistaken, I believe we're back in the Charleston Classic. So yeah. unless you know PK decides to schedule something uh, again right after Christmas, at least we know we'll be occupied the weekend before Thanksgiving. And then, you know, hopefully we'll have the weekend after free as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a great event next year. Well, I think the the theme to the past two games for the Cougars was a reality check and then a response. And I thought PK gave some great quotes to you after the game against Chattanooga. But I think you can't set up the Chattanooga game, which was probably the the Cougars' biggest win so far this year. We'll get to that Mm -hmm. without covering that OK State shellacking prior to it. So let's let's go back to Stillwater earlier in the week, first road game for the Cougars. Feeling pretty good after the North Carolina game. You're 3 and 1. You figure OK State's probably not as talented as as a ranked North Carolina team was. The Cougars did not uh live up to maybe what fans expected in this game after keeping it close for a half. The wheels kind of fell off in the second half. Uh OK State runs away with a 30-point victory, 96-66, and Coach to you after the game called it a good old-fashioned butt whooping. Uh what did you see in that game and particularly the second half?
1: Yeah, it was just really a wake-up call. You know, it's a situation where uh I think the kids just did not know just how fast and how athletic Oklahoma State uh was. And they just played defense. You know, you think back to North Carolina, we were able to score 80 plus on the tar heels, but this Oklahoma State team, uh, while not as big physically, but Definitely, I would say, more athletic. Um, You know, it's been a while since we've seen a defense like that, like we saw in the second half with the trapping and, uh, you know, just the turnovers, which was just a little disappointing because, you know, that day previous in shoot-around, PK and the staff, they went over, you know, press attack probably for roughly about 15 minutes um, just in terms of how to break it, um, you know, how to be able to know where the traps and so forth were coming from. Uh, But it's one thing to, quote, unquote, do it on paper. And then, of course, when the lights go on, it's something completely different. So definitely not Charleston's best effort. Give credit to Oklahoma State. Not a discounting report. Not a very good shooting team. And, well, they proved us all to be liars as they lit it up from the field. They lit it up from behind the three-point line. Uh, They just kind of did whatever they wanted to do against Charleston. And that resulted, you know, in a 30-point loss, which, again, you think about it, Charleston, we are up by one with about, what, a minute and a half to go uh, in that first half. And as Danny always says, you know, on the broadcast, that last five minutes of the first half, the first five minutes of the second half, always so crucial. And unfortunately, Charleston did not pass the test, um, you know, in that category. So uh, eye-opener. Eye um, it definitely caught the guy's attention of what it takes how good you have to be to be able to excel at that level. But like PK said, everything that we're doing now is preparing us for when conference play starts, you know, in late December, uh, January.
0: I think Charleston found every possible way to turn the ball over in that game. Um, We saw off-target passes. We saw inbound violations, double dribbles, running into teammates, jump passes gone awry. All leading to those 28 turnovers. And we kind of saw that in the second half of the North Carolina game. When Charleston is, when you're playing that many possessions and you're coming up empty on offense, things can really kind of snowball on the other end. And not only was Charleston not getting good shots, they weren't even getting a shot
1: in yeah. those cases
0: because they were turning the ball over. And like you said, the team that looked comfortable when things start, when the pace quickened was o- OK State. I mean, right. they were running, they were dunking, they were blocking shots and getting out. I don't know how many dunks they had. I think it was at least five or six, uh, 50 points in the paint.
1: I was saying that pick and roll obviously was given Charleston fits as well. You talked about a a lot of dunks from Oklahoma state, Charleston just did not defend the pick and roll uh, properly. And that resulted in some easy buckets. So as they always say, you know, Tommy, your best offense is your defense. And when you're forcing those turnovers, you know, they always say if you're going to turn the ball over, I'm sure PK and his staff would just rather you pick the ball up and kick it out of bounds. But it's the live turnovers that will lead to obviously easy buckets and layups. So uh, just just a a bad night all the way around uh, in Stillwater. And hopefully that loss will be the one game that we could kind of go back to when the season's, uh, you know, when we're deeper into the season and say, hey, it all started back with that Oklahoma State game in terms of what Charleston needed to do to really come together even more as a team and propel themselves in, in terms of getting better each and every game
0: bright spot from this game uh john meeks had a bounce back from the north carolina game where he he had a tough night but he had 22 points in this one three for four from three five for five from the line but just like a lot of players zero assists six turnovers for meeks um demetrius underwood was the leading assist man in this one with two assists two yeah i think everybody else had a negative assist to turnover ratio but uh freshman continued to play well rain smith had 15 points in this one Ben Burnham, who we'll get to uh in the next game, had a really nice uh 10 points and seven rebounds. Uh, just two turnovers for him, zero turnovers for Rain. Uh, what do you what do you think of these freshmen a few games in?
1: Yeah, these freshmen, they're they're special. And I'm looking forward to having those guys for the next, you know, three to four years. Um, just because there's no fear in those guys. Um, you look at Ben Burnham. I can still go back to the North Carolina game when I think he tried to dunk it on, on Babcock. I mean, there's just no fairness, kid. And, you know, he's going to go hard. If he makes a mistake, it's because he's, you know, trying to make that extra play. I love his game. Uh, obviously, Babakar, Phi as well. He's going to be solid, just freaky, athletic. You know, still young in the game. So as he gets under the, the guidance... Of PK and Coach Davis and Cloman and, and Cass and those guys. You no, know, there's no no question his ceiling is very high. And then you got the sharp shooter. You know, you got Rain, who just, you know, his release, I'm noticing is so quick. They're not giving him a lot of room. The word is out now that he is a flat out shooter, one of the best, if not the best shooters, you know, in the country. And he understands that. And so now, what you're starting to see is he's catching and shooting, not putting it on the floor. Or if he can't get it off quickly, he'll put it on the floor. I think you saw in the Chattanooga game had a nice floater on the left baseline late in the game. He's just that that multi-dimensional kind of player that can put it on the floor. But again, his specialty is being that sharpshooter, the sniper, uh, and making it rain threes wherever he is.
0: When it rains, it pours, I think uh, I've, I've heard some people say. Some ugly numbers, on the other hand. We've talked about the turnovers, but Brendan Tucker uh, has really cooled off since those first couple games. He was 0-7 in this one uh, with two turnovers and three fouls. Seemed like he was just getting swallowed up whenever he would try to get to the rim, and he, and he wasn't making it, making shots from the outside either. And then Famir Ali, who, who had a big-time response in Chattanooga, but this OK State game, two points, one assist, five turnovers – I think he assisted on three or four OK State dunks, just run outs from bad passes from Ali. Underwood was kind of the steadier point guard in this one, but even still, he he struggled as well. I think I think the Cougars could have used a Dalton Bolin in this game, just another kind of veteran ball handler guy who can make shots too. Any any additional thoughts on, on the rest of the roster in this one, though?
1: You know, when you talk about those guys like Tunk and, and Rain uh, and also Femir, uh, you know, they're so quick, um, especially Tuck and mayor in terms of being able to get by that initial defender. But when you're playing against these power five schools, the thing that these guys have, you know, like a leaky black and some of the other defenders that we've seen um, is they have those long arms and they're, they're so athletic. Um, And then they're bigs down. You're not going to be able to, to go up against those guys because they're just going to block. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, Oklahoma state had like 16 block shots. Yep. But one thing that you I would love to see these guys do is to develop the floater. Um, everybody remembers Andrew Godlock and his ability to, you don't want to get too deep in the paint because then you kind of get yourself in trouble. But if those guys could get to the paint and then develop that floater, they can just float it in. All those guys would be so deadly because, and we saw a little bit against Chattanooga as well in terms of getting too deep. Yes, you want to get to the rim, but chances are you're probably not going to finish against those guys. You could try to draw the contact, but sometimes you're going to get the call. Sometimes you're not. But if you could get that floater, especially Tucker, um, with just how quick he is, that would be just so much, would add so much to his game that he would nearly be uh, unstoppable because if you're playing that, that means you're playing off of him so that he doesn't go by you, which means that would open up uh, his outside shooting, which we've seen on display or saw on display in the first couple of games of the season. So, just for those guys, I love their willingness. They're not afraid. They, they're they going to go in there with the trees, but develop that floater or play off two feet, come to that jump stop and then let it go. And I think once they uh, add that to their game, uh, we're really going to be in for a special season.
0: I thought of you when Rain Smith hit the floater against Chattanooga. I knew that was a shot you would have uh, you would have appreciated. So you, you take kind of this beating in still water. I don't know if you were traveling with the team for this game but what's the what's pk telling the guys what's the mood of those guys are they because they could have folded in this chattanooga game and again we'll get to that but what was the vibe after this kind of reality check
1: well pk said from day one just you're gonna have adversity there's gonna be times when you know everything's not going your way or nothing's going your way and that's where you really have to come together as a team stick together Uh, And understand that there's a lot of basketball left to be played. And I think that was his message to the kids after Oklahoma State is, hey, we got our, you know what, handed to us. But that's just one game, you know, and it's up to the guys how they're going to respond to that butt kicking. You can, you know, obviously sulk about it or you can do something about it and come up. Uh, with a better performance your next time out. So yes, he was upset. Yes, he was, you know, he expected to win the game. You know, that's one thing I love about coach and, and the staff and the players. They don't hope to win. They expect to win. And then, you know, cause they, they train for these moments and just unfortunately the Oklahoma state game, uh, it did not come out. The, the, the result did not indicate how hard these kids trained and prepared for this game. And unfortunately, you know, whether you're the college of Charleston or you're, Gonzaga, you're an NBA team, there's just gonna be those nights where it's just not your night, nothing's gonna go your way, but you have to be able to respond from that, and obviously that's what Charleston did uh, with the next contest at Chattanooga.
0: Yeah, that's a nice segue, Uh, I appreciate it. Let's talk about the response. Charleston continues on the road, they have a couple days off, Thanksgiving, then they hit the road, they head to Chattanooga, former SOCON rival uh, up there, McKenzie Arena, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. Chattanooga is picked to win the Southern Conference. Uh, they were a top 150 team on Kenpom. They were undefeated going to this game 5-0. I think they had a long home winning streak as well. Charleston goes down early, down 14 points early in the second half. And uh, to your point, what you mentioned about Danny uh, with the five minutes before and after the half, it was not pretty for Charleston. They had a bad turnover from Ali right before the half where he dribbles it off his foot, gives them an extra possession. And then Chattanooga was running and shooting and dunking out of uh, out of halftime. Something clicked though because Charleston goes on a twenty to nothing run, probably the best stretch of basketball they've played all season. They go up multiple possessions. But what did you see during that run? What did you see from the the start of the game or, or any changes that happened to to kind of swing that one?
1: Well, I, it was Rain Smith kind of got it going with a couple of threes. I think Ramirez also hit a couple of shots. And then Nick Farr came off the bench and obviously Nick has not played as much as he has probably wanted to thought he would the transfer from NC state. And he came in just like, just determined like he, he belonged. Um, I didn't know it, but you know, PK had said that Nick had had an outstanding week of practice. Like it all just transferred over to the game and that's why he got the call and he made the most, you know, of his opportunity. I mean, Nick played eight minutes uh, against Chattanooga, Um, you know, went two for four, scored four points, but also had three big rebounds. And, you know, when you look at the front court between obviously uh, Chuck and and Olsey, they need that third person that they could throw into there as well, whether it be because of foul trouble or if, you know, of those three, Nick obviously has the best offensive game uh, of those three to just kind of change it up and give a different look. And that's exactly what Nick did, you know, on yesterday. And I was talking with Uh, P.K. and also uh, Coach Coleman at at the airport last night. It was almost like Underwood was like a a defensive back uh, on on an NFL team where for some reason Chattanooga kept turning their back to him and he would be off the ball like a defender in the corner. And I don't know if that's the way they, they planned for it or if he just had that instinct on his own to just simply come behind and just steal it away, it's like they would never see him coming. And Underwood had so many, uh, I think he finished with three steals last night, but there were some huge steals from him. And the more and more you look at his game, Tommy, I mean, he is a big physical point guard, a 6'4 point guard that's going to really give point guards in this DAA trouble because he can back you down, he can wear you out on the pulse. And, you know, Danny and I talk about a lot off the air, but – He kind of reminds me of Danny Johnson. Danny wasn't necessarily a point guard when he was at Charleston, but if Danny had a smaller defender against him, Danny could take him to the post. Underwood is the same exact way, and I just love his game. I mean, he was six for eight. He's not known for uh, his scoring. He actually had a jumper yesterday as well Mm -hmm. during that 20 to nothing run, you know, in the second half, and he's just one of those guys that he understands the game. Um, It was just a beautiful thing to watch from the defense to the offense uh, Meeks had a couple of buckets as well. And and the thing that I love is coach went with that squad, Like he let them go until they ran out of gas. And then he started substituting. And it was just all around just a great afternoon at McKenzie Arena, a place where Charleston had had some success. I think we'd won six of our last seven games there. So uh, just just a good afternoon there in Chattanooga.
0: That run I mean both offense and defense was clicking and I'm with you I didn't realize how big Underwood was until I saw him in person at the UNC game he's he's huge he's like the size of like Burnham almost um and he's stout but yeah they were they were really pressuring the ball and I think Rain got a couple of those steals too where they just from the weak side came over and just ripped the ball away Uh, Not only that, but they're getting shot clock violations on UTC. Lambton even blocked a shot or two during that run. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, it was like Smith three, Smith three, Meeks three, Ferrar layup, (laughs) Ali three. It was like really, um, again, just you see the potential of what this team looks like when things are really going the way PK wants to play. But we knew UTC was not going to go away completely. Uh, They do kind of chip back into that, comes down to the final couple possessions, which were just really a roller coaster um so you get the rain smith floater with i think about a minute to play then darius banks goes to the free throw line do you remember darius banks from uh yeah. from jmu by soon, the way as soon
1: as i saw his name i was telling the coaching staff i'm like this kid um that's when luro had a solid squad so yeah had Darius Banks. he had uh, uh who's the kid the player of the year last year in the caa i mean they had like some dudes they also had dwight wilson who had transferred to, I think, Ohio, and he was like a major player on their squad the last two years when he went to the NCAA tournament. But that team was stacked. And uh, I remember DeSosa as well. Unfortunately, I remember him because he was the guy that threw the chair when he was at Kansas, when they had the incident at the end of the game. So he's obviously a talent. Um, And the same thing for Avery Diggs. Remember Diggs, we played against him two or three times when he was at Central Florida. So when you look at this roster, you're like, oh, my goodness, these guys, you know, they got size. They got uh, I mean, the Sosa was a five star prospect out of high school yeah. played at Kansas. Helped lead them to a final for his freshman year. Uh, and then, of course, Darius Banks. I mean, he's six six. I mean, he, he he's just solid. So this was a very good Chattanooga team. I could see why they are predicted to win the Southern Conference. Um, and I just think once they got that, what, 14, 15 point lead early in the second half, I think they kind of just let their guards down and thought that Charleston would just go away, that they had this game in the bag, and give credit to our kids, Tommy. Those kids, there was no quitting those guys. Um, they knew was still plenty of basketball left to be played, and like you just said, they turned up the defense intensity. They started guarding closer. It just didn't allow them to get comfortable. They started to get frustrated. And how about the lane violations? I mean, how often do you see a lane violation? Two of them. Two of them, um, but the major one being there you know, at the very end. Where Banks didn't even get a chance to attempt that free throw, so but then uh, they get
0: the steal right afterward. Like, you, yes. you think you're out of the woods after the lane violation, they just lay it up.
1: Well, the worst place you can catch the ball in no situation is in the corner along the sideline. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's that's no man's, and especially in front of their bench. And Farmer just kind of got a little uh, a little careless with it, and give credit to them, just like John Meeks had done earlier in the game, where he just ripped the ball away. I believe it was from Smith. Or it might have been Baptiste. Uh, They just took it away from, you know, from from Air and actually able to make the layup. So, it was just a game of runs. Charleston had the 20-0 run. Then uh, they came back. Chattanooga with a 6-0 run to get back into the game. It was just a fun game to call. Great atmosphere. uh, And more importantly, just a, a great win for Charleston.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Charleston finally gets the ball back. Tie game. About 10 seconds left. Meeks throws up kind of a a wild shot. I don't know if he was anticipating a whistle or what, but three Mox defenders were on him, and Underwood, who had kind of been the most solid player all night, untouched, gets the tip in, and it was a a Kawhi Leonard-esque, like, hanging on the rim, (laughs) bouncing around, eventually drops. Just an awesome, awesome finish. It would have been a heartbreaker if Charleston had lost, but at least you could, you know, talk about how well they played during that run, but just so much more satisfying to get that win, to, to hand... UTC, their first loss, and and pick up a, a big win for the conference. Um, also, just 11 turnovers in this one after the the disaster at OK State. So, again, the response was, uh, was really good.
1: When you look at, you know, Ben Burnham, who got his first start yesterday, didn't score uh, just a very quiet game, you know, his 13 minutes of action. But, you know, that's not going to happen probably again. Ben, you know, just a, a different role. Maybe not even that necessarily didn't try to force it because a couple of his shots were, you know, good looks. The shots just didn't fall. But you can just tell by the type of kid that he is, they're stoked out. When we played Tulane on Tuesday, I totally expect Benny to come out and drop probably 20 and grab five rebounds as he looks to make up for, uh, you know, a scoreless performance against
0: Chattanooga. Benny gets the start over Lampton. And I thought Lampton played well coming off the bench he had he had a pretty solid game for himself
1: he played 19 minutes I mean I mean that's the most he's been fouling out or in foul trouble in all the previous games so for him to be able to play you know 19 minutes score four points grab three rebounds you know have a block shot and also Tommy I want to also mention Raekwon Horton I thought Raquan played a solid game against Chattanooga again did not score but had two rebounds And was very instrumental in just doing the little things, you know, from scoring wise, whether it's Meeks or Smith or you know uh, Burnham on certain occasions. That's going to take care of itself. But if you can get Horton another big physical guard to come in and defend and rebound and do the little things, that's what makes a team a complete, a solid performance. Probably Raquan's best performance thus far.
0: He's another guy who looked big on the court against those those SoCon guards. Um, he had a great play early in the game where he went straight up against DeSouza, and DeSouza right. had to throw it out of bounds. Right. Um, so yeah, really really impressive play uh, by the freshman there, and also good to see Charleston kind of flip the scripts. They've been fading down the stretch in games a little bit. Obviously the North Carolina game, but even in like the uh, the Loyola or the Lipscomb games, they kind of faded after they'd have these really strong starts feeding off the crowd and they kind of fade and, and the the their lead would kind of diminish. They ramped it up and and flipped that. And that's probably I don't know if that's a credit to the rotation and, and keeping guys fresh and, and pushing the pace that whole time, or it was just um the mental fortitude to to not get too down on themselves after they fall into that early hole. But they really I think they shot fifty six percent in the second half.
1: Well it also goes to show you that Charleston can win in various ways. And the first couple of games there at the six, we saw Charleston put up a bunch of points. This was more of a slow down grind it out game because that's what you're probably going to see in conference play. Teams are not going to want to run with Charleston. They know that, you know, Charleston leads the country in possessions per game. You know, 80 is now 86 uh, per game. They're not going to want to get in a track meet with Charleston. So what they're going to want to do is slow it down and try and grind it out. And Charleston showed, you know, against Chattanooga, that If they need to do that, that's what they can do. You know, they limit Chattanooga to just 32 points in the second half. Uh, The Mops, you know, a bigger team. And obviously we're not going to see a team with this size probably, you know, NCAA play. The only one that I can think close to that might be Delaware with uh, Painter and uh, what's the kid's name? He was a freshman last year, shot it pretty well. Ash, Arch, something of that nature. Those are probably mm-hmm. the only two teams that have that type of front court. Now, I'm sure, Tommy, you like myself, the CAA, I don't really know who's left in the CAA between transfers and graduations and transfers coming in. So at least on the CAA that I knew before this season, um, there was no teams that had size like that. But you know, Charleston, can. they've shown now that whether they can outscore you or they need to lock down defensively, they have that capability uh, of doing that.
0: I think this was probably the slowest paced game Charleston's played in so far. And they got out-rebounded in this one, which might have been the first time that's happened all season. So we saw a big game from D'Souza in Chattanooga. We saw, obviously, a huge game from Baycott. Are you worried at all about Charleston's ability to defend, like, a talented post player?
1: I would say, yeah, but then also, no, because, well, we've just proven that, you know, a post player can have a big day. But I don't know if you also remember, Tommy, but early on whether it was Burnham or even Lampton when he came in, and Olski to a certain degree, the plan was to beat those bigs down the floor and try to get down before they can. Our bigs have that athleticism, and even five when he goes and plays the five, to yeah. beat guys down. So, you know, I've asked PK before, actually maybe before the North Carolina game was, hey, in those situations, do you want to double the pulse and, you know, make them beat you from the outside? And he goes, hey, you know what? We trust our our work ethic. We, we trust our, you know, what we put in. And if that's the case, I think it's just whether it's Olsey, whether it's Chuck, whether it's Burnham, whoever's playing the five, you got to hold your own, do your work before the ball gets in, maybe deny the pass, uh, which they were trying to do yesterday. They were fronting uh, the Salsa, but the backside help was a little late The rotation in terms of getting over to be behind. And that's why he was able to kind of get some of those uh, early baskets. So I totally expect, you know, PK and the staff to say, all right, when we front these big guys, if you're on, you know, on the backside, you got to be maybe a step or two over to not let that catch happen and if he does turn, you got to be right there. So, you know, listen, PK is the man. He knows it. He'll figure it out. Um I don't think we'll see a lot of post players, you know, just going off on Charleston, but then again, I don't know how many more five-star uh post yeah. players we'll see uh, the rest of this season.
0: The last thing I did want to mention is uh Malachi Smith was UTC's leading scorer going into this, and they held him to five points, Yeah, uh, two for 11 from the field. Uh, they've done a pretty good job with uh, with guards. You mentioned Underwood's defense has a, a big part to do with that, but just drawing charges, getting strips, uh, really gave him a, a tough night, which was probably a difference maker.
1: Yeah, he had three turnovers. He was averaging 15 coming into the game, and like you said, the four two out of 11. But, you know, and I never used to – understand it until as you kind of watch it a whole lot more when you're like a big guard or a bigger guard and you have the likes of a Famir ali or even a rain smith constantly just swiping at you swiping at you and you know because they're so small you have to be kind of conscious of protecting that basketball to not allow them to get it it just wears on you and then if you have to chase familiar ali or rain smith um as they are are tough no, that takes a lot out of your legs, and to be able to do that, I mean, you look at Malachi; he played 33 minutes uh, on yesterday. That that's asking a lot, you know. And of course, with Rain Smith, you better be locked and loaded. You better be on his hip because if you give that guy an inch, he's letting it fly. So it doesn't surprise me that he kind of struggled, um, you know, offensively because of the work he had to do on the defensive end. And when, even when you think back to the Oklahoma State game, I think some of those guys may not have. Um, you know, had as much success offensively. But, again, on defense, they were getting steals and, and easy layups. So it's not like they were in a half-court set. So, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. Charleston was able to take away Malachi Smith. Um, you know, Baptiste, he did go off for, you know, 18 points on 6-12 to 12, uh, shooting. But otherwise, you know, Caldwell, another uh, sharpshooter, A.J. Caldwell, did not score yesterday in his 22 yeah. minutes of action. So Charleston and you know, Darius Banks, has 11 points, but he had five turnovers. So I was telling uh, the staff at the airport, like, I feel bad for Darius Banks. He's like, man, I, I just Never can't beat, beat Charleston. Like <laughs> lost to him probably a minimum of four times when he was at JMU and comes to Chattanooga and still can't beat the Cougars. So, but he's a, a solid player. Uh, did get a chance to kind of chat with him a little bit before the game. And, you know, he used to talk about JMU and his time there and all. So really, really, really good kid. Uh, just uh, uh, fortunate that he, uh, caught another L from the Cougars yesterday.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's weird now seeing guys pop up in different locations and being like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember mm-hmm. you. Rain Smith, I think he's going to win Rookie of the Week yet again, make it three for three. I mean, he's having quite the start to his college career. I think his maybe his biggest competition, I haven't looked around the CAA much, but it might be Ben Burnham. <laughs> exactly. It's mean, two guys I expect to see on the, on the all-rookie team. Uh, and maybe that's just a product of all these guys coming back. A lot of freshmen aren't getting too much playing time, but right. even so, those guys are are playing great. Um, I wanted to run a player comp by you that I saw today that I thought was interesting. Famir Ali compared to Anthony Stitt as okay. like you know five five ten point guard, smaller for you know a D one point guard, but can shoot it a little bit, shifty, can put the ball on the deck. What do you what do you think of that one?
1: I think Stick was definitely a better shooter than Famir, but Famir definitely has the handles. Sometimes, and even yesterday, another pass that you know when you're calling the game, I try to be as descriptive as I possibly can be because obviously you know you can't see it. You're listening on radio, and I don't know if you remember Tommy. I, I know you were watching the the broadcast. It was uh, let's see, that would have been in the first half because it was going to my left, and he tried he tried to behind the back pass. He was yeah. on the wing, drawing to the top, and fortunately it went off of whoever split and went right straight to Raekwon. But I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm sure Pat Kelsey's like, please, just just make the fundamental pass. You know, and especially... <laughs> he, doesn't like, he
0: doesn't like the show time.
1: Right, especially when he tries to throw the no-look passes to, like, to O.C. and some of the bigs. I'm like, that you can't do that. You just can't do that from here. But, yeah, I love his shiftiness. I mean, you're right. He's shifty. He He's got the... The, the, the pizzazz, he's got the handle and, and the moves, so much like Tuck, once he gets to that free throw line and develops that floater as well, boy, will he be tough to handle, but yeah, I could, I could see Stitt was just probably more just basic, you know, Stitt was just going to come off screens, catch, curl, you know, shoot, want going to do anything fancy, uh, but premier definitely has that that ump, uh in his game, and, you know, once he kind of understands his teammates and, and kind of gets settled in there's no doubt he'll be a problem for sure uh, in the CAA.
0: Yeah, Ali's still got some some room to grow. He's got plenty of eligibility left, uh, but you can see you can see the makings of, of something right. something special there. Well, and
1: that stuff that that'll work in the Big South, but when you're playing in these five, because even you think about it, even if you get around these guys at the power five level and you know, high mid major level, those guys are so long and lanky that they can recover. It's kind of like you know. Um, I was telling someone that Leaky Black of North Carolina reminded me of Antoine Wiggins, you know, just that long athletic, you think back to Meeks when Meeks had that turnaround jumper in the paint that Leaky Black blocked. I'm like, that's totally what Antoine Wiggins used to do to Steph Curry and other guys. Or when they would get around Antoine, he'd be able to block it from behind or whatever because of his, his long, uh, his arm length. So yeah, for, you know, for mayor, you know, that'll work against, you know, high point and, you know, Charleston Southern and, you know, those types of schools. And no knock against those schools by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But when you're playing against the, the Tar Heels and the Cowboys and the Mox and, well, the Green Wave and the Paladins to a certain degree, yeah, it'll be a little different. Um, and that's where you really have to just be strong with the basketball, be fundamental, and just make the uh, make the simple but effective play.
0: Well, we knew the schedule was going to test them. We knew the non-conference schedule was was going to be tough. So maybe it's a good, I mean, this always works out for Northeastern where they go like 500 in non-conference, but they're playing Michigan State and Syracuse and all that. Maybe it's good to get humbled a couple of times and learn what's not going to work that maybe worked for you at Bucknell or maybe worked for you at Radford and just kind of test yourself against real competition instead of um, kind of cupcake games. So with that, I mean, what are you expecting on Tuesday against Tulane? What where what do you where do you see this team at?
1: I've not seen Tulane, but talking with you know Coach Coleman, he said basically they have the point guard that transferred from LSU is there, and then they have a bunch of six five, six six athletic kids, uh, you know that can that can play. So it sounds like it'll be another good solid test. Of course, this is the front end of the home and home, as we'll yeah. host them this Tuesday, and then we go to Tulane uh, next Tuesday. Uh, so I expect it to be another, you know, good, solid test. There are no easy Ws, you know, on our schedule. Probably the only two that we, I guess, should be, I would think, favorite. It would probably be, you know, Stetson and obviously, you know, Presbyterian. But both two lane games, you know, that could go either way. Um, you think about the Rhode Island game. You think about the Old Dominion game. So this schedule will definitely get us ready for CAA play. Uh, Tulane will be, a, you know, they'll come in here and think they're the bigger school. And they've not experienced the sixth. Um, they probably will the six not. Six is experience. growing on you, huh?
0: The nickname the is growing is, on you.
1: It is. PK uh, referenced it again. So the sixth will be, you know, hopefully loud. The students should be back um, yep. out of their turkey coma from going home. Uh, the last time they saw Charleston, obviously, it was a, a tough loss to North Carolina, but an exciting game. So one thing we do know that, you know, PK and Jessica and the marketing department, they'll do their best to get, uh, you know, the the six rocking again. And then, uh, you know, after that, you hit the road for, you know, a good Furman team. I think they were preseason, Tommy, second in the SoCon. Yeah. They already beat Louisville earlier this year. So, uh, yeah, so this it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to hosting the Green Wave. And like I said, just getting ready, man. CAA is a one-bit conference, so you got to do it in – in late December and January, and February, and obviously in March as well. And if we do that, um, you know, we'll be dancing again, but it's the games like this, the the solid showing against North Carolina, the beat down in Stillwater. Um, not only did we get beat down, but apparently the Oklahoma football team, they got beat down in Stillwater as well. So it was a big week there in Stillwater. Then the the solid showing, the big win in Chattanooga. And now we just got to keep that going. Keep growing, uh, getting better each and every game we step on the on the court, and uh, these freshmen just keep them, you know, gaining that valuable experience. And hopefully, uh, Nick Farr will be able to just continue his solid play because so I think he could really be a big a big component yeah. of this team. You know, played in the ACC, is one of the top five recruits out of the state of North Carolina coming out of high school, um, has good size. You know, and much like Meeks, he loves that baby hook over the right shoulder once he gets into the paint. But I, for some reason, he's just my sleeper. He's the guy that I think can really put this Charleston team uh, over the top.
0: Did he play against SC State? Was that the first game where he got? He only got like one run in those first three games, but he he seems to be kind of working his way into game shape. You know, he lost all that weight over the summer, but it seems like he's still got to catch up to playing at this weight and size but yeah i mean the potential is obviously there for him
1: And i think he also had a foot or leg injury right before the season start that held him out of practice for a couple of days and so he definitely is just trying to get himself you know back into his playing shape and getting comfortable within the offense and knowing his spots because he seems to be the type of person you know tommy that when things are breaking down you know you could throw it to him in the pulse clear out you know, everybody go to the other side and let him just go to work. And, you know, it's a reason why Kevin Keats initially thought he was good enough to come to the ACC and, and play at NC state. So didn't work out for one reason or another there. Now he has a new chance. Great. Probably one of the nicest kids you'll ever meet. One of those. Yes, sir. No, sir. How you doing? Nice to meet you type of guys. And I really, you know, wanted to work for him. And I think given the chance, he continues to show what he can do in practice is PK says, you know, you don't, this is not Missouri. Don't tell me, you know, show me what you can do. And uh, Nick is doing that. And hopefully that will continue. And, and for all the kids, same thing for obviously Chuck and, you know, OC, Tuck, you know, Raekwon, I know he hadn't, you know, hadn't scored, uh, but just keep, find your role, find your niche on this team. And if everybody does their part, Charleston is going to be a very solid basketball team this year.
0: Well, it's good to come back home, coming off a victory. Like I mentioned, probably the best one of the season so far. Looking forward to seeing you and Danny back on the call because the atmospheres at the 6 have been awesome so far. Student section's been fantastic. So, Ev, I'll, I'll let you get back to it. Like, let right. you get back to your, your day, but I uh, appreciate you coming on.
1: No problem. I guess I'll see you
0: for Rhode Island? I will be there. I will be at, at there in D.C. for that. I don't know what that event is. I don't know why those two teams are playing on neutral court, but I'll take it.
1: Uh, Well, speaking with the AD, Matt Roberts, and it's actually very smart for PK. I don't know if PK called this or whatever, but it's at the same place where the CAA tournament's going to be. So PK wanted the kids to be able to be familiar with that area. I think we're going to stay at the same hotel that we'll stay at for the tournament. You get a game in that facility. a quality, you know, obviously – uh, opponent in Rhode Island, so similar to what Charleston used to do when the tournament was at the North Charleston Coliseum. Remember, we would always play like
0: play one game there,
1: exactly. So just so that when you kind of get that advantage. So that's how I don't know how Rhode Island. I don't know. We just had a game at Rhode Island and say, hey, we'll meet you halfway or you know, right there in DC. But that's what that's all about. So um, I, that's a great facility. It's the home of the Washington Mystics, not necessarily in the best part of town but once you get inside the facility um it's it's pretty nice and, and solid so uh yeah so I'll, i look forward to seeing you there man and maybe come on down we can get together either before or after the game
0: sounds good Ev. appreciate it once again all
1: right you take it easy tommy